Before we wander on into the episode, I just want to make sure that everyone goes out there and hits up the YouTube, check out the Spotify, check out Apple, wherever you're listening or watching to this ep- uh, podcast, is to go down, like it, subscribe, hit the bell if it's YouTube, make sure you're getting those reminders. We do put these out every week, um, so make sure you do to do all that. It helps us out, and in the long run, we can make better things. So again, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. I recall one we were in, I won't give out where, but it was in the central western Wisconsin where we were hiking one night and we were on public and then crossed some private on you're a gonna road. Tell, you're going to tell about this story? When we were coming downhill, <laughs> we got to about the police truck show. We wander our way over, you know, because this is wandering ways. What's Bigfoot possibility? Clink. Clink. Hello, welcome. It is another wonderful Wednesday with Wandering Waves. I am the Reverend Mark, and with me is good old Ranger Zach. And we have a doozy today. Um, It is not... The Lost Files of Wandering Ways. But we were able to get our good friends at I Know Squatch to come back on and talk good old Bigfoot. So, um, you know, hopefully maybe someday that Lost episode will come about. (laughs) It'll be when we're like 90. And that new tech, right, that comes out then that's like, recover files from long, long, long ago that were deleted. And it's like... Someone does it to the Wandering Ways podcast and finds the old episodes that got deleted and we listen to them. And then you could compare them and contrast them. So to the listeners of 2100, <laughs> we're older than 90 at this point, but 20, yeah. we, uh, we welcome you to another episode of Wandering Ways. To a good episode. It's the I Know Squatch episode. And you know, I I honestly, <laughs> truth be told, I'm going to whisper this in the microphone, but like, I like these guys a lot more than Matt, buddy. <laughs> you could say it out loud. Matt's not going to be listening. Right? Oh, so, no, he doesn't support us the same way. No, he's a he's a good guy. But I like that. I know the Spotch guys. I love chatting it up about Bigfoot because... You know, as the Wandering Ways podcast is, it's a part of who we are in a way. This guy wandering the woods looking for, you know, just enjoyment. In reality, 100%. Think of a Bigfoot's life, man. He's just enjoying it. 100%. Um, but uh, yeah, so we got him back on the I Know Squatch crew. Make sure you check them out. Uh, they are fantastic. Uh, check them out. Etsy, I Know Squatch. The link will be in the episode description. Check them out on Instagram, I Know Squatch. Uh, Check them out on Facebook, I Know Squatch. Uh, Rick's got a song out, Woodburger Walk. Uh, I'm going to try and play it a little bit right now. All righty, we got our good friends from I Know Squatch back on the podcast. Uh, I'm going to just, I'm going to come out. I'm going to say it right off the get-go. This is all on me for losing (laughs) That last interview we did, we talked about it on a previous podcast, how I screwed up and my computer just absolutely died on me. Um, But it honestly was one of my favorite interviews that we've done for the podcast, that uh, the fact that you guys are able to come back on again so soon so we can get it is just great because... Man, I'm really kicking myself because there was a lot of great... I have the notes from it written down and there's a lot. I had like different time stamps for it and I was like, oh, I can use this for a clip. I can use this for a clip on it. And it's just poof, it's gone. So (laughs) I'm going to come out and say that's all on me. (laughs) Well, we're glad to be back. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's exciting to be uh, in 2023. I feel like it's everyone's like, let's hit the ground running in 2023. You know, COVID's behind us and let's let's do it. And I, I guess Mark's computer said, let's get a new one too. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, must have. Uh, but 
a part of the big news for the well, it came out last year because uh, we talked about it on that last episode. But uh, Rick, last time uh, we we talked, you had the Wood Booger Walk, uh, a song that yeah. came out. Um, hopefully, we play a little bit of it before uh, the start of this ep- this interview in this episode. Um, but uh, it's it's a doozy. It's a good little song. So uh, <laughs> I mean, we we loved hearing it. If you want to talk about your song, all that fun stuff, please do. Yeah, wood booger. So we got some cool artwork with this too. Uh, but uh, that's what it looks like. Hans does uh, all of my artwork for my my musical. Uh, uh, offerings but uh yeah I'm, I, you can find anybody can find me out on um anywhere they listen to music amazon uh, deezer iHeartRadio, spotify apple i'm out there under just rick so that's me as an artist but uh i guess i i'm a recording artist i i play out all the time gig all the time been doing it for years uh, but i did a, did a bigfoot song and it's called wood booger walk just released last month and uh it's gone it's doing pretty darn good i mean um a few different folks picked it up on TikTok, did some cool little videos with it. Last count about a week ago, I think I was up over 20,000 hits or views on that. So, you know, people, awesome. it's fun to, it's fun to see what people do with it, you know, and uh, I'll tell you the inspiration for it. Uh, well, I've been researching Bigfoot in you know, 12 years and I do just isn't any good Bigfoot songs. And I didn't want to call it Bigfoot or Sasquatch. And, you know, I'm an old blues rock, you know, riff kind of guitar guy, like the heavy metal thing a bit. So, you know, I, I put a good, strong blues riff on it and I had that in my head for a while, but all lyrics are written around kind of things that happen when you're around Bigfoot. So I talk about rocks being thrown and being zapped in the woods and, uh, you know, peeking around a tree and all that kind of stuff. These are real things, you know, and it's, there's a little comedy in it. The guy who's singing in the song is scared, you know, and, but that real stuff happens out in the woods when you're out researching Bigfoot. So, uh, we got a great graphic on it. I was showing there just a minute. I do. I had, I had stickers made up. So when I do shows, I show people. But anybody goes online, you can see that on Spotify. It'll show up on your phone like that. So, you know, it's cool. Um, it's a it's a nice thing to put together. I'm just surprised how how well it's taken off. Um, at Crypticon in November, I had just released it. They ran it uh, up in Lexington. That was a big show. And they ran it in all their general sessions while they were introducing speakers and things. So I have a lot of fun with it. Nice. I when I listen to it, I know I probably listened to it two, three times in a row because I was like, "Yeah, I like this beat. I like that." that I'm, I mean, I like that bluegrassy feel. You know, when I was living down in Cincinnati, that was something. Like when I would go into Kentucky, I'd always, "What bluegrass radio station AM frequency can we find?" Because there's just something about that soul music, and then it just really, it really fits with Bigfoot as who Bigfoot is. And then you take that, you know, when you're out in the woods looking for them and you hear these things and there's even the noises that you kind of make with the guitar, <laughs> the beat, yeah. it's like you yep. hear that stomping in the forest. Like it's a <laughs> cool song. I really enjoy it. I play it in my Jeep all the time with the subs and it, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, the, the uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say it was a, a real smart choice to, you know, use wood burger because I think it's an underused term. And uh, it's it's kind of funny, and but it it says a lot, you know, rather than just oh Bigfoot, yeah. Right. No, I think it does. It gives it that character that you know he's more than just you know a two dimensional creature. He's a real life being. He's the wood booger. Well, yeah, you know, people describe to see it walking and moving around. Any of the videos you see, you know, it's always moving. Sometimes quick. Sometimes it's lumbering, but. Uh, you know, it's always walking or moving people, when people see it. I know the first time I saw one of these things, it was walking across. So, you know, that comes into my head. The term wood booger, Hans's point is good, is kind of underused. It's kind of a little funny, but you, know, you see that all over the place. You see it on maps too, you know, wood booger holler and all these kind of things are on maps across the U.S., especially across the South. And you can't go back in there. There's, you know, the wood devils back in there, that kind of thing. And I use terms like that in the song. And uh, use a swampy blues riff, you know, something that sounds like that with a big, big drum in it. And I brought in a musician that, you know, I've got musicians I brought in to do it. And uh, one guy I brought, a great harmonica player, Mark Brown, he did a wonderful job in a harp and he laid down all the slide, put some slide guitar on it too. So we really wanted to make it have that sound. So resonator, nice metal steel slide resonator sound in there. So it's pretty specific in what I wanted. And I, I'm pretty happy with the way it came out. It's definitely a, a full sound, you know, 
it's very well produced as well. No, that's good, especially when it come when the artist comes out with like, like you're saying, it came out the way you wanted it. I mean, right. I I like it. I like I say, I play it. I know Mark plays it when he can. <laughs> yeah, I you know I play. I mean, most of the time I play it every once in a while. Most of the time when I'm listening to music, I'm working out or something. So uh, you know, on those long runs, uh, I'll mix up the beats and all the different tempos to make force myself to run at a different kind of tempo. So it it adds a little character, especially if I am on like a trail run. Uh, getting through listening to it, uh, it's a little extra to it if you if. I happen to catch the lyrics. Sometimes it's just the beat because I'm thinking about how hard I'm breathing instead of the words of a song. But <laughs> it uh, the beat definitely helps, uh, you know, kind of even me out on a run or uh, speed me up, depending on the song before. <laughs> uh, but other than the new song, I mean, have you guys uh, have you guys gone out, done any kind of expeditions or like, uh, you know, investigations into Bigfoot at all this past 2022? Uh, yeah, I, I'll start. Hans can jump in, but uh, I led uh, the FRO expedition uh, last spring in the mountains of South Carolina. Um, I was on just came off one in November, was in Kentucky. A couple of weeks ago, I was up in the mountains, Blue Ridge Mountains, again with a group of eight of us. Uh, so I'm routinely out there and about. I try to do about four expeditions, either attend or be a part of every year bfro or otherwise and uh, i got a number of cases i'm investigating right now too because i'm a bfro investigator too but doing that for about seven years hans is also um but i got a number right now i'm into and i kind of some you know you see similarities in the way the bigfoots interact or do things but there's had some interesting things recently and had some interesting things happen in the woods recently that i'm glad to talk about a little yeah feel free i mean or yeah uh i mean <laughs> i guess when it comes to like the expeditions and stuff i'm i'm always super curious about the more of the planning of it you know like how many people are on these uh like when you go out how many days um because you know from the few conversations we've had you know it's not just like hey someone you meet in town says hey i saw you know bigfoot in the woods and you're like all right let's all go just go looking in the woods you know with your pitchforks and uh, torches you know? so <laughs> yeah, that's good i'm curious yeah. about how uh, the planning into these uh, expeditions and all this goes into well mark yeah that's good i like the pitchforks and the torch that's the old frankenstein thing right they're yes. going after frankenstein <laughs> chase get out of the village but I'll, I'll start it and Hans could jump in toward it. He's been on lots of expeditions like I have. Heck, in fact, matter of fact, he and I met on a BFR expedition way back when um, we were tenting near each other in, a, in the campsite. But typically what we do for an expedition is uh, we're not throwing darts on a map. We're looking at the BFRO. If you go to BFRO.net, you can write down to the county in any state, see the vetted out investigated witness reports. And you can see where they cluster on a map and we'll start with that. We'll look in areas like that and see where there's been a lot of activity. And uh, you typically go in those areas and they're, you know, it's uh, wildlife management areas, forests, state or federal forests, uh, swamp areas. And we look for campsites around there and then do some scouting. A typical expedition, uh, and I've run a few of them, a good year or so worth of scouting, uh, getting out into the areas every other week. and seeing what the trails are like, where you can access or get around water, because these things are always around water. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that goes into it on the front side. And uh, then you gotta, you know, you'll put it out there and see the BFRO posts where the expeditions are gonna be, and people will sign up. I was doing some interviews today for one that's coming up in Tennessee in the spring. So uh, the investigators organizing will interview the folks that want to attend and make sure they qualify, talk through what they're in for. And, uh, you know, it goes from there. And then Hans, you've been on these, you know, what happens typically when you get to an expedition? Yeah, no, Hans, if you could also, I, I, I just realized we haven't introduced you quite yet either because oh, right. Mark deleted that episode. So oh, yeah. <laughs> it feels so smooth already. And we were talking before the episode. So yeah, if you guys want to, if you want to talk about, yeah, the expedition that like you guys met on and what these expeditions are like, but also introduce yourself here. Oh, um, sure. Uh, my name is yeah. Uh, my name is Hans, and uh, I met Rick um, 
on on a BFRO expedition up in the the UP of Michigan, and uh, going into the into the the trip, at first I was I was hesitant. Um, you know, I was going to drive up, you know, eight hours and I was going up by myself and I thought, you know, who, who's going to be on these things and what am I getting myself into? And uh, when I pulled in to the campground, the guy said, hey, um, I, uh, I you're from Wisconsin. I put you next to another guy from Wisconsin. So I, I pulled in, started setting up my tent and there was Rick. And we just kind of walked over and introduced ourselves and started talking. And uh, that's like the birth of the, the friendship and then the brand uh, really that weekend and then into the years afterwards. But I think you know, both his background and my background uh, made for a good combination of, you know, each bringing different uh, talents to the to the table yeah and a nice thing was uh hans and i you know we got out at night and some of the groups see typically when you get there um the expedition leaders there's an introduction and then they put together groups for night hikes and we go out into different areas uh miles and miles apart often and uh there's the groups run say six to eight people no more than that it's a, that's manageable and so Hans and I were out, I think, in the same group. And the next day, we decided to get out and do some scouting on our own for uh, night ops the next night or two. And we really uh, got into some areas that the expedition hadn't planned on going into. But we, you know, we looked and said, we got to get into there. Those are some good areas. And lo and behold, they wound up being the areas of a lot of activity, too. So we've been back to that those area, that place uh, many times since. And the I'll tell you, it was, it was nuts, some of the things that happened. And when you go through experiences like that, where you have activity together, you know, that's bonding for a long time. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's that, um, <clears throat> you know, that, well, it's a shared experience when you go through that shared experience. And, you know, especially if it's your first time out and you experience something as crazy as like, you know, seeing Bigfoot, it's like, holy cats, you know, like, you know, the people you go through it with, you're, you're going to remember it. Start remembering all the little details in that. Yeah, that was, uh, so that was back in 2014. And that was when, you know, finding Bigfoot was on TV. And that really, I, I had had an interest in Squatch since I was a kid. Um, and then all of a sudden that's on TV and I'm I'm watching it and I'm like, there has to be some kind of group out there that would do something because I'm not going to go by myself. And uh, sure enough, it was the BFRO. And I mean, the BFRO is one way to get out into the woods. Um, there is an expense involved, um, but you, know, you can go out with your buddies. I mean, you can, you can go out and just go camping. And then during that camping trip, into uh into some night hikes and some day you know looking around scouting locations and and i believe you did say uh the i know squatch brand right that's where you guys that that trip is where the name came from yeah so nice. yeah that was uh our shared experience on the on the second night where we we were, I mean, I, I can, it, it's weird because I've already told this story to this like captive audience right here, uh, <laughs> um, but it was lost. Uh, so, so we were out and uh, on in between two retention ponds on a bridge. And uh, I mean, it was late at night and it, we had been out walking, hiking for six seven hours at that point a, a few people in our group there it started out as a group of nine uh three left um just it, it was kind of cold um and getting late so there was a group of six of us and we say we're like the the scene six um out on this bridge and we were seeing uh eye eye glow pinpoints of light you would describe it from looking down a road. Uh, so we're on a, on a bridge and the road is made out of limestone. And, and this area is 
uh, it's a it's a refuge. So there, there's no traffic. And I mean, it's way in the middle of nowhere. Um, so, well, Rick, jump in at any time. Um, pinpoints of light. Yeah, on so, yeah, yeah. So uh, we, it's kind of interesting because we got, we had scouted here in a day and we thought it's a great area because as Han said, there's nothing there. It was wildlife refuge. I can't give you, give you everything specific about it, but because um, we pretty much with the BFRO, you don't, but just suffice it to say tens of thousands of acres of wildlife refuge, middle of nowhere in a county, and uh, it's in Michigan, in a county that uh, has a history of these things. It, it's, it's one of those, the, the work that was done up front had to do with, you know, where these things were seen in that area over time a lot. So that's why the expedition was there. But um, we got into this area and immediately we got in, you know, a lot of hiking, a lot of us going out. When you do these things, you're out a lot through the night, you know, and you hike and you get around. But uh, early on, we had stopped on this bridge and we did a knock, you know, a real loud knock. We'll use a jam block, like with a drum kit and bang on that. And we had, we had a return howl, which was hundreds, hundreds of yards away. But we were, there was, you know, a group, I think eight of us, we were just shocked, you know, and we couldn't believe it. I mean, immediately we had a return howl. And over the course of the night, a lot of different things happened. We got, we got, we got parallel in the woods. Um, and as Han said, a few a few of the groups split off, but uh, I think there was five or six of us returned back to this bridge where we had the original howl, and it was like game on. I mean, over the next couple hours, I recorded the entire thing. So I had the whole thing, so I was able to go back and listen to the entire thing, which is best practice on any expedition. But you can hear, to Hans's point, you can hear 23 times in that hour and 40-minute recording where we in the group reference seeing either red or whitish yellow eye shine in a couple of cases where the white was up at seven foot in the air and the red was down below it directly in front of it and two sets of eyes looking at us. So sort of what we later determined it to be was the parents standing behind the juveniles. But they were coming out of the woods on the other side of this. Uh, there was forest on the other side of this bridge and a small clearing to it. They were coming out of that and stepping and leaning out of the woods over the limestone road that Hans mentioned. You couldn't even see the road. There were so many of them. Uh, and this is going to sound crazy, and we were still kind of new to this, but we were trying to estimate how many there were because we were seeing shadows dart all over the place. And the number, you know, exceeded 10. I mean, we, there were shadows and shadow movement things all over there um, over the course of this night. We saw eye shine repeatedly when we were exiting there. And I'll just... You jump, we, uh, Hans, you can jump in, but when we were exiting there, we, we recorded them, uh, you know, talking to us as we were leaving and they were kind of making a bark type of sound. I mean, it was crazy all that we had. All, so we went back the next day and checked it out and we found footprints around the edge of the limestone. So we had all kinds of evidence here, multiple people seeing things. We recorded the sounds and next day had visual proof. We saw footprints. So, you know, that's like the trifecta. Um, I'll just say that I think, you know, the, the area that we were in, you know, being on, uh, it's kind of like a long dike wall with a bridge. It actually created like a natural barrier between us and the deep, dark forest, which is a nice buffer zone uh, for them to feel comfortable. And everyone talks about uh, Squatch being a curious creature. So what we you know, garnered from that night was that they were interested in us. Because yeah, we, were, we were standing on the, standing on the bridge, uh, basically having conversations like this, and you know, sharing stories and talking while still looking out uh, into, the, into the woods, uh, you know, across the water to, to see the pinpoints of eyes. Um, and you know, the best part about the story is that uh, it, it gets real late and, you know, we're, we're done and we're going to leave. And as a group of six of us, uh, we had said, when we walk out of here, let's walk like halfway to the woods and then stop as a group and turn and look just mm -hmm. to see if anything's there or following or so we did that and we stopped and we're standing there for, you know, a minute, which can seem like an hour. We're standing there for a, a minute and our buddy Matt uh, yelled out, you know, 
thank you and have a good night. Kind of sing-songy a little bit. And on either side of the of the road, uh, a voice went off. And, and we we kind of say it almost sounded Native American or so a, a language that I can't replicate, replicate. And it was off going up and down and then another one. And so you can, you can tell that there's two, vo- two calls going off on either side. We can, we did that process again, 50 yards back and they went off again. And then one of my favorite parts of that story was like, I looked to my right and our buddy, our, our buddy, Mike, uh, who is a, a woodsman through and through. I mean, he's a trapper, a hunter, an older guy. Uh, so he's seen everything. Uh, he had the biggest grin on his face. It was almost like giddy kind of dancing. And he's like, I have never heard that before. I can't explain what that is. So that, that was really cool to have him there to experience that, to be like, okay, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not a loon, you know, I mean, it was, and it was so loud and between us and where the sounds were coming from, it was open. There wasn't trees. I mean, it was open. So that sound was just carrying. And like Rick said, he had his audio recorder in his pocket, catching all of it. Um, and then to I'm wrap the, up, yeah, uh, and, and just just to what what we heard, uh, just jump in. So uh, it was there were three, really three syllables they kept saying, and it, one was "oo," "he," like "he," and "hua." And what's fascinating about that, we we've listened to it over and over, is really things in nature. And I've phonetically dove into this, but animals in nature can make that "h" sound. Okay, we as humans can, but animals typically can't. Birds and mammals, they don't make that H sound. So that was a puzzle. But another thing is we went back the next day and on each side of the bridge, this wasn't far either. It was less than 100 yards to the, where we, we heard this. They were, you could see in the tall grass where exactly as Han said, on both sides of that bridge where they, they had been, these creatures had been down in there. You could see the marks in the deep grass where they had been rooted right in the mounds of grass right there and we're yelling at us you could so we found proof that there yeah, too it was basically like a deer beds you know everything was matted down but uh so when we got back that night to the campground i mean it's late at this point it's 3 a.m 3 30 or so uh we you know got around the fire and we're all just excited, you know, that, that we just experienced this and we're all excited and sat around the fire and had a couple couple beers and Rick and I were talking and we were like, you know, I, you know, I don't just believe because that's all you had ever heard is I believe I want to, I know, I know, you know, Bigfoot's around, I know. And then in, I think, I think it was Rick who said, he was like, Squatch, and he's like, I know Squatch. And we thought it had a really funny ring, like instead of I know squat, you don't know squat. Well, I know squatch. And <laughs> that is the birth of the brand. I yeah, know. And, Great story. And there's a lot of there's a lot of folks out you see believe all the time and you see these two-dimensional depictions, black silhouette, a bigfoot, and everything. You know, we try to do all original artwork and we try to portray it and you know what reflects how how hunters may see it or people see it so that's what's behind this but that night was a, a religious experience uh, we had we got the folks in our group we were all kind of watching this forested area and this white this white limestone road going into it and uh, two of the guys in the group saw one cross the road you know right right at that and i'm not exaggerating there were so many of these things leaning out of the woods over the limestone road in the dark we couldn't see the road and we saw them off the other side of the pond between the tall were some tall pines they were streaking back and forth between there there goes one there goes one there goes one yeah, it was a, it was a shocking thing because we saw so much shadow movement so much we found prints the next day we found where they were we recorded them we saw the red and the white eye shine repeatedly we were able to gauge how tall some of the eye shine was because there was a 
sign on the other side, like a standard, you know, I should see a yellow uh, square sign on the other side, just that said for anybody crossing that the bridges are coming. And these things were up much taller than that. We could see the eye shine was so much higher than that. That thing was like five feet off the ground, six feet off the ground. So we we knew they were big and tall. You know, we could tell that was well over seven feet. So there's an awful lot of things that came together in that experience that, you know, make it, it's as Han said, we know. When, when you say you went and saw like footprints in the beds, how big are these? Like when you say like the deer bed size or like, did you get actual footprints in the grass that you're like, wow, like this is. Out of the grass. Uh, yeah, you could see you could see the imprints down in the grass where the foot, you know, the size of the indentations were down in the grass. Uh, I would say that the the deer bed wouldn't look like a deer bed. Was I mean, it was eight by eight. Oh wow! And the grass was uh, chest <laughs> chest height on me. So that's crazy. Yeah, it was all, and it was all pushed down, and like you could see where the legs had been down in it and been matted down. So it could have been more than one on each side of the bridge. Yeah, like they were, yeah. they were all kind of in a group there, yelling over at us, like don't we are we all had in our mind. This is going to sound weird because people talk about mind speak and stuff, but around these things, we we all said to each other, "What are they saying?" And everybody said, "Well, they don't want us to go. They don't want us to go." We all got the impression that don't go, don't go. Now, I don't know how that happens across five people simultaneously, but we all interpreted who he wa to mean, you know, don't go. And uh, it's, uh, very that's a, uh, friendly. Yeah. Um, it was it was very calming. I mean, you you hear a lot of stories of, you know, terror in the woods and all that. Uh, this was very it was the opposite of that. Um, and I know. We the next morning we were telling the big group at breakfast, and we we had said that, and there was this old timer sitting there, and he was like, "No, no, be real careful. You're you're giving, you know, Bigfoot. You're giving him human emotions." And I kind of, I had never thought of that one, and then I thought, well, we're just describing how we felt. You know, we're not saying that, you know, oh, he wanted us to come hang out. No, it was like we felt that this, you know, and I, I consider myself really lucky to have had that experience because I've had a lot of nothing out in in the woods as well. More so than that. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of times in the woods where it's like you're just walking, enjoying it, and, but no activity. So that was really that was really special. That's good. No, that those are nice. Um, when I when I, you say Ohiwa, I to me, and then I look, you're in the northern uh, Michigan Peninsula area. I think, you know, both the Ojibwe, you know, you have the Ojibwe and Cree languages in that area that come from. You know, they have a lot of syllables and J's and H's and A's and W's when you break them down, and not only that when I learned, uh, cause my tribe, the little shell Chippewa out here in Montana, when we're learning Chippewa or learning Cree, they talk about how a lot of times it was sung to you, you know? So like mm-hmm. that, they would kind of sing the phrases to each other, um, just based on the language and how it is said and written. And it's also a good way to remember it. And I wonder, you know, you do get, like you say, you, sometimes you do get those native connections. You know, I've never met a native that doesn't have an opinion on Bigfoot. Because like it's somewhere along the line, you know, the hairy cousin in the in the woods, the you go to the tribes in Washington and just the way like, no, he's here. Like they recognize it. They don't. It, it, it's almost like you don't believe like, who are you? You know, like I live here, like <laughs> I know better. Um, and you get that. And like the, I know you're talking a very remote part of the country uh, in the Upper Peninsula there. And I could just see it. And I, you know, I can visualize and feel it. I'm like, yeah, I I believe it. Um, another question I did have when you brought up in the story, uh, for our, our listeners is when you say they paralleled you, uh, what does that mean? So, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in and cause I've experienced it. Uh, I experienced it, uh, three weeks ago in the mountains of South Carolina, actually, but, uh, they'll, a lot of times if they're around, instead of you know, jumping out in front of, the, of you in a pathway or, 
sometimes I've had, I saw one in Colorado step onto a pathway behind us, but they'll, I saw one crawl across the path, but they'll, instead of crossing perpendicular to your motion, you know, if there is a way that they can stay abreast of you in the woods, they will. And uh, they will be in the woods, keeping a little bit of a distance, but going along with you as you go sort of thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it can get creepy. I mean, it can be loud sometimes. It can be really stealth, and all of a sudden they're there. But when we talk about paralleling, especially if they want you out of an area, they will be there sometimes on both sides of you and usher you out of an area or trail to get you out of an area. Maybe that's an area they have, you know, they habituate, they live in, they have family. But if they don't want you there, they're going to get close. And, uh, you know, then they do things like push trees down, throw rocks, et cetera, anything that gets you feeling unsettled and to leave but they will follow and parallel with you all the way out nice hey zach what you said about uh the the native language and then the meaning of it i i had never heard that and i'm like man that makes the story even better (laughs) it really does oh my gosh no it really is i you know i i do some uh with the little shell tribe i've we've been restoring their language uh, and helping I, I've helped film and record uh, for the app and whatnot that they use. And that like the language lady, she was saying, yeah, this language is in a way almost sounds better too. If it's sung, like when you sing it, like the words just, they flow a little bit more together because like you have three I's, four J's, eight W's and a A and this and that all in one word. And it's just, that's dog. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, it's crazy when you really look at like the Ojibwe language. You're just like, oh my god! Like, I don't want to learn this. Like, it's. <laughs> well, t- well, I'll tell you. Just, I-, I love this topic. I'm glad you came back to it, Hans. You know, Zach, we ought to do a podcast just talking about this because I-, I think there's an awful lot of parallels. Um, correct me if I got the wrong number of a Native American tribes. I think there's about 23 or some 24 in the country, something they all have a name for Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Oh, you know, yeah. And as you said, yeah, and as you said, that it's not like, oh, uh, should we believe it doesn't exist? It's it's just a matter of fact, you know. Um, that struck me once in British Columbia, I was met with some Native Americans, and that's they talked to us like, you know, of course we know where it is, we know where it exists, we know where they give birth, though, and they told us in the Harris Lake area. So uh, I, I would like to explore this further. I'm in Western North Carolina. I get out on a lot of things here and I get lucky enough to interact with a lot of people. It's Cherokee around here, but it's the same thing. Acknowledgement is given. Uh, a lot of the signs or symbols you see, uh, I, I think have some bearing on the stick structures in the woods. So particularly the X, X in Cherokee means friend. Uh, I've I've had these things lay an X down on a trail right next to us when we were in the woods. Um, you know, I, there is something going on that parallels or is part of Native American culture, communication, language, etc. that has to, that relates to Bigfoot. And there's no, I'm convinced. Right. No. And then you have the, you have a lot, like you said, the language, like Sasquatch comes from the Salish word of, you know, meaning the hairy man in the woods or the Bigfoot. Um, it's, it, it really, yeah, no, I agree. I think we should talk talk more about this because there is a lot you can go with. You know, um, we, when we went to the Bigfoot conference in uh, last year, me and Matt, when we went out there just for something to do, the uh, Vancouver Island, came, this guy came down from down there. And just the way he talked about, like, you just go up there and you'll see him almost. And it's crazy. And just the stories you hear. And it it's weird how... That to me, it's almost more spiritual in a way when you look at it on how it, it's almost a, when you look, when you talk it, your art, it's almost the same way you talk about like your culture and your traditions, right? Like it's, it, it almost falls into that realm. There's more of a respect around it um, because it is almost, you know, you do get other people like, oh, you're crazy, you know? And I think that's partly why it's brought up that way, because it is uh there was that connection at some point. Now, do we have it anymore? Probably not. But at one time, there was this connection. And we really take it back in history. And I like to look at like the Bible or the other books. And you look at like, we we all lived with, with 
the animal in harmony, you know, whether it's native culture, white culture, Asian culture, right? They all have these stories that go back to, we all lived in harmony at one point. And I, and I feel like there's different places on this earth personally that have changed, you know, where it's like native culture, it was one of the last places that that harmony was taken away from because of the the rest of the world. And you look at that and it's just kind of crazy and how we've manipulated that over time. And you take something like Bigfoot, which is kind of fun and it's used for fun, especially nowadays in modern days, but what that, where that traditionally rooted from. And there is a lot there in native culture. Just uh, one other thing. If you, have you read, or are you aware of 50 years living with Bigfoot, a book by, Mm -hmm. um, Jan- Janice Carter, Coy, and Mary Green. Have you? Right. Well, there's a lane. There's so it's written from experience in uh, Tennessee and uh, family that grew up around these things. But there's multiple pages in that of Bigfoot language and multiple pages in there of what's derivative of Lakota Sioux, but has local Native American speak language in there. And the parallels. I'd love to have you take a look at. And the, even the phonetics and the way that, the, you know, what they say, the, you know, the term for friend is knock has a N-A-W-K sound to it. But you, you would see all these things in that language. Everything you said about the extra consonants and the way there, a lot of that exists in the uh, Bigfoot. I will. I'll take a look at that. Yeah, I, I, there's one called Tribal Bigfoot, which focuses on the tribes in Northern California that I've read. That yeah, I've read that too. That's good. Yeah. Um, kind of, I want to jump back to, uh, these expeditions that you guys, cause you know, most of the stories that I've heard, you know, every, all the activities out at like night. And so, uh, I'm curious about like, you know, when you're in the daytime, when you're scouting these areas or, you know, getting in there, is it just, you're out there with your headlamp, you know, going through kind of when you're. At now at the location and you're trying to figure your where you're going to go at night like how's that planning into it uh, you want to start hans or you want me to get it started or uh can you repeat the question <laughs> um, so <laughs> essentially i'm curious because all most of this the stories i've heard are at night and so yeah. i'm curious like what goes into the daytime scouting of an area if you're doing any kind of daytime scouting oh, yeah. of an area? Okay. Um, well, you know, you can you can talk specific to like BFRO outings, or you can t- you know, or, or if you're just out with your buddies, you know, there's a, there's a group of us in Wisconsin. There's like five of us that go out, you know, all the time, and uh, I think. What you do during the day, I mean, that is setting you up for the night. Um, and it's it's super important. Um, the good thing about the when the you go on a BFRO uh outing or expedition is that they've done all that legwork prior to you getting to the location. So they know the trails, they know the areas, you know. So during the day you're trying to figure out, hey, you know, what are we gonna do tonight when we go out? And you're always hoping for like the, you know, the class A road crossing. You're driving a lot of, you know, logging roads uh, or you're, you're getting out and you're walking into areas. So what you do during the day, you know, is, is crucial to what you want to do at night. Because when you're out at night, everything closes in. Your distance goes way down. You can't tell where a ridge line is. I mean, especially depending on conditions as far as moon and stars and everything. So, what you do? Does that answer kind of? Yeah, it does. I mean, I just you know, if for the casual person, yeah, I think they have this idea. It's like, all right, we're at camp. It's night. Let's go this trail type deal. So. Uh, I imagine that that's not how it is. And so I was just kind of curious the thought into it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll jump. I think Hans, some of the, what Hans said is great because when we when we're looking during the day at a place that we're going to visit at night, we're trying to find spots, even trails that you're walking. Now, typically we're in an area that we has had some activity, you know, road crossings or homesteads that have had interaction with them. And, you know, we're, we, we could be camped, 
in a state park or a private campground and then drive miles to get to, you know, wooded area going way back into the woods. And as Hans said, logging trails or fishermen trails, hunting trails, that sort of thing, um, or where there's some primitive campsites. But we're looking for spots we can be viewed. That's number one. So get to a spot, you know, remote back in the woods, takes you a while to get there. And then maybe build a fire and people are never there, that kind of thing. You want to be at a spot where you can maybe you're at the base of a ravine and, you know, all around you is an amphitheater in the woods. So they can come if they hear you and they're curious because these things are eternally curious. They can come down the ridge over the top of the ridge down the ravine, hide banditry, look at you, see what you're doing. You know, you always got to give them the advantage, give them the, a chance to see you. And that's what we, so we're looking for that on trails we visit during the day. Um, where are some spots? And a good idea, if you have switchbacks that go up, you know, a mountain, you get in those, in the elbow of those switchbacks. And there's typically a ravine above you. A lot of times there's caves up, up in that ravine, et cetera. And these things will come down there. They'll be in there during the day. Um, I've been in that situation where they'll, they are there and they're watching. And, they, you know, they will go to those or frequent those areas because they can come down more vegetation in the elbow of a, in a ravine right and so they'll come down that and there's water there they're always around water but they can see you they can get up close to you without you knowing it so give them a chance to approach you is what we look for during the day we're always looking for water we're looking for game trails they follow game trails and we look for stick structures things like that if we catch a print or see a print during the day and that's happened to me scan daytime scouting we're back there at night you can bet on that so you know, there's things we do look for after we make it more finite into an area that's had activity. Would would you say um, a lot of the BFRO uh, are is more? I guess in the questions is it is it more on public or private land? Have you found um, with like these sightings being like? Because I understand there's some like private land areas where people just don't touch their land. It's got caves on it. It's got that on it. So like you it is harder for like the public to go see, but when these expeditions have the opportunity and the funds to get into those areas, like, are you noticing, I guess, more success or I guess I'm curious on that, the private public. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, with camp on private sometimes, um, but then access public a lot at night and nobody's deep in the woods at night. And uh, if you go to a national forest area, I don't care, pick a map and look. You know, the areas that people walk on trails during the day is a small percentage of, you know, the actual forest. And we'll go back into places and we're looking for logging trails like Onset or trails that go to old homesteads and stuff. And we we look for those during the day. We're back at that at night and we're parking and we're going back up in areas that, you know, look for, you know, those red gates. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about when you're out in the woods. You see those red gates that are on some forest road. We go to those suckers and then we're back in there into the woods all the time. Wow. Okay. So it's just kind of where, and I, are you getting more so the reports of like this area is, has high activity and that's why we're going here or I guess what helps make that decision too? Well, we can, you can on, uh, if you go to bfro.net, you can uh, see down to the county, the most active counties. So that narrows it down. And then we look at, you know, the state and federal forest and land in there. And then uh, we're looking for waterways. Wherever the waterways draw on a map, you typically, there's like, Bigfoot seem to aggregate around. They need water and they will follow the waterways. You could bet on that. And they're always in groups. They're never singular. So, you know, that's kind of the process we go through in trying to get there. Um, so we're not necessarily looking for a camp now where they can come in to the campground. You know, that's, as some folks try to do that, but um, that's not necessarily the goal. I like going and put yourself in a spot where they can come and approach you and I'd see what the heck you're doing because you're in a spot that people are never in kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. The curiosity, like you say, it makes sense. It makes sense because they are curious creatures. Um, now kind of on the not so, uh, you know, not BFRO expedition, but if you're going out with, you know, four or five of your friends, um are you using the same kind of like strategy where you're looking taking that bfro map counties you're seeing that a lot of activities or are you kind of going more so like you know i i've never really camped in this part so why don't we just go up and you know maybe we'll see some sort of activity i would say yes um 
you're looking at maps, go online and look at maps. Uh, you know, of course, look for anywhere where activity has been reported through the years, but then look at some, some topo maps and see those, the water sources and, uh, and you, you know, the majority of that that we do is all is all public land. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go out there and uh, trespass onto anyone's private land just because you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but that I mean, so th- that's what the, um, when we go out in the, in our small groups. That's what we do. Nice. Or uh, I mean, there's certain areas. I mean, there's. In Wisconsin, there's you know three or four areas that we we continually go back to uh, in different parts of the state because we know that there's activity there, and it's it's been there throughout the years. So and it's just always fun to just go camping with your buddies. Right. There's a lot of good things that you hit with yeah. that. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I, I'll throw something else in because Hans and I have been on a few of these together, but. I recall one we were in, I won't give out where, but it was in the central western Wisconsin where we were hiking one night and we were on public and they crossed some private on you're a gonna road. Tell, you're going to tell about this story? I remember coming downhill <laughs> and we got to the, and these trucks showed up and these guys, I think they were deer hunting at night with flashlights or something. Man, were they peed off and I was, what the heck are you guys doing? It jumped out of a truck. They, I mean, they were mad. We were on this road crossed through their land. Here we are. Of course, we're telling them we're, you know, Audubon Society and we're out looking for birds and all this kind of stuff. Can't tell them what you're doing. I didn't believe a word of it. And they were mad. And uh, I mean, they were, I can't repeat it. But And they isolated us. They isolated Hans, had him in the front of one of the trucks. You stand here and you guys over there. And I, oh, God, here we go. Well, the guns are coming. It was it was not good. He, oh. had, he, had, he had said, so what happened was the first truck that came, it was the two sons. So then they took off, they went back and they got dad. Dad showed up and he <laughs> he pulled up with his window down. And it just so happened that the group split up and I was isolated on one side. And he, he you know, what the hell are you doing? And it, I'm sure he owned the land on either side of the road, but we were on the road. But I'm not going to argue that that's Maybe. public. And anyways, as he's he's yelling, uh, I thought, you know, naturally, I'm going to approach him. And he's sitting in his truck, and he was just, <laughs> don't you move one step closer. And he was kind of like this. And oh. I'm, I was probably one of the scaredest I've been. And, and I'm, oh, it, was, it was terrifying because he's he, unpredictable, very unpredictable. Especially in those cases where you are supposedly crossing on their land. But even then, like, I get what you're saying. There's so many of those out, especially out here in Montana, where you have the checkerboarded, like, here's state land, here's ranch land, here's this. And you, that road, the reason that road is there, there's two ruts in the ground, is (laughs) because you have a right to access that state land. and. I get, I get it. I can put myself in your shoes and just worry because you, you get out into those country places, man. Those are the people that will shoot sometimes. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, you know, you know, it brings up a good point. I mean, Zach and Mark, you guys are out in the woods all the time and the, you know, we're out in the woods at night doing this and you try to scout during the day and, but you know, the nuts come out at night and you never know who you're going to run into in the woods. And, you know, you guess you got to be careful. I mean, for all your listeners, folks out there, I was I was out in Kentucky a month and a half ago. We had two two guys approached us back in the woods. We don't. They walked hundreds of yards to get to us, and they were drunk on moonshine, but they're also scared out of their mind. And they said, "Why are you guys down where our campsite is? They were staying overnight to fly fish." And we said, "We weren't there." And they said, "You've been here all night," and they're scared. They said, "Some somebody was down running." Our campsite. We've been in that area the night before. What was? I know what it was because we were in that area the night before, and we saw red eye shine and saw something leap over a boulder. Now this is hundreds. We were hundreds of yards away from that spot next night. But these two guys, I think they had Bigfoot encounters where they were. They thought it was us, but you know they came up on us in the dark in the middle of nowhere, and they were scared. So you never know who you're going to run into at night, you know. And 
Well, exactly. Felt- run into a black bear, a grizzly bear, a mountain lion. They're more nocturnal nowadays, you know. If you think about it, those animals they'll like. I'm 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 curious if you guys even have had one of those encounters with like a bear, or a mountain lion, or something that while you're looking out because you are at night, you know. Yeah, I was on a. Hans, were you on the one expedition we did? This was in UP also. And they, uh, who got on, was like a Don got on the walkie-talkie at one time, the guy that's the uh, prison guard up there. And he had everybody, nobody moved because he, on the therm, he picked up a mountain lion in the middle of the groups. Were you on that one? No. I was going to say, I've, I've never had a, a mountain lion experience. Uh, black bear, yeah. Um, which is less scary, I believe. And a, a mountain mountain lions on top of my list of like right? they'll stop <laughs> you. They're a cat, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some yeah. really really strange uh, coyote experience, um, where like a huge uh, huge pack of coyotes that are in this dark. That was the night that we were in the field, Rick, and the yeah yeah. Heard, we heard an Ohio howl. So I'm sure you guys that that long Ohio howl. And then all of a sudden the coyotes went off. And, and when, when they went off and it was like, uh, it was, it was being explained to me that by our buddy, Mike, that, you know, coyotes in a pack, they're actually split up and they have like a, a sentry of the coyote and they're talking to each other. And they went on for an hour. And it was, and it was very aggressive. And that was the first time I ever thought, I wonder what a pack of coyotes would do, you know, because, because you think, oh, coyotes, they're so skittish. They're just going to, going to run by a pack of them. Yeah. You you only see like one or two, maybe, you know, I you only see really one ever. Right. Right. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. We've had them come in. We've had them come in and what Hans points out for your listeners. I mean, it's there's times when you're out and you'll hear this single long seven, eight second late crescendo come down howl. And you know, it's not a coyote. It's way more powerful. It hangs in the air. If you know, go listen to the Ohio howl. Look that up online if you want to hear what this is. But you'll hear that then there's a gap and then all of a sudden the coyotes chime in and they all they all step on each other as they vocalize. And you can see the difference. But if the Bigfoots are moving, the coyotes tell the forest. And if these things start, the Bigfoot start moving and they're around, the coyotes start to, it's not that they panic. It's like they go on alert and they start, and they come around, they'll come around us. They get close, they'll parallel you and it gets creepy. It gets creepy like you wouldn't believe. You know, not that I think coyotes are all going to jump out on mass and pack us, but man, some, they're, sometimes they're really close and they're agitated because the Bigfoots are moving. Makes sense. They probably get eaten by Bigfoots, I could imagine. <laughs> Uh, well actually i think so i think it's the other way around i think they're i think they have a symbiotic relationship almost a relationship where their job sometimes is to alert the bigfoot i also think the same is true for barred owls and i I could go on that topic for a podcast the barred owls will alert the bigfoot when we're moving through the woods um and bigfoots will mimic and make barred owl sounds and there is a relationship there between them coyotes barred owls and bigfoots for sure interesting interesting unfortunately though we'll have to save that for another time because we are actually getting to the uh end of our time here um talking today so uh it's time for the final words um hans since it is your first time uh being part of the final words uh how it is is you can plug literally anything you want you can say literally anything you want if you have a poem you want to share if you have like a psa you have anything coming up uh it's your floor for it um but since you're the you know first timer here we'll let you go first so final words okay um check out this sweet new hat i'm wearing that is our design notorious bigfoot a play on notorious big and squatch um we did it like two years ago then we kind of left it left it alone and uh i just got some hats embroidered with it if you go to etsy 
if you shop Etsy, just punch in, do a search on I know Squatch. And uh, you'll be able to find beanies, uh, all kinds of beanies. And yeah, you'll be able to see our, our brand crest that J Zach is modeling. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, thanks. Thanks for having us on. It, it's a pleasure. And I really liked my story. And then it was added to by what Zach had said about the Native American thing. I mean, that that's awesome. That's terrific. Yeah. Uh, Rick, uh, final words. Yeah, I want to thank you guys, Zach and Mark, you know, for having us on and uh, redoing the episode. Uh, yeah, look forward to doing a, doing a few. You know, it seems like there's more we got to talk about, so we ought to do some more of these later this year. So let's try and commit to that because time goes fast when we're talking about this. You guys are great. And uh, appreciate, you know, support for I Know Squatch. You know, let's let's continue to find things we can do together as the year goes on. And, you know, for your listeners, stay tuned. We might have some tricks up our sleeve. And uh, we'll be at conferences starting, the Bigfoot conferences start in April. Uh, we'll be at a new one called Encounter Quest. And that's south of Charlotte, uh, southeast of Charlotte and Hamlet, North Carolina. That's new. I just saw a speaker lineup for that too. And they've got some good folks coming. I think Ron Moorhead's one of the speakers. Um, and we'll be in Ocala, Florida at the Florida, third annual uh, Florida Bigfoot Festival. And that's coming up and that's in April also. I think that's... Uh, uh let me check i think that's uh third week of april so april 22nd so we'll be at that too so and then uh gatlinburg there's other ones this year uh, we've got a lot coming up we should we should put that on the probably on the etsy store just let people know that everything we got upcoming you know um but we'll be selling merchandise and uh presenting talking and all being a part of that and uh if come on by i'll give out free copies of uh the lyrics to Wood Booger Walk if people come out by and say hi. There you so, go. I like that. Yeah, oh, so I check. forgot. Check us out on uh Etsy or on uh um Instagram and yeah, Instagram. Facebook. Um Facebook, yep. Yep, on our Instagram. I'm always pushing our shows. Uh what where we're gonna be. Just go on there. You'll you'll see our, our list of upcoming events. Yeah, no, I Maybe definitely we'll have We'll have this wonderful hat too here. That's a new hat we had in November. It did very well for us too. So, yeah, we're we'll always make a shameless plugs for the merch. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Mark's Mark's always making shameless plugs too. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no shame. It's not a shameless plug. It's just a plug. <laughs> uh, final word, Zach. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad we were able to redo this episode. Uh, got lost. It's another one. Uh, our first Christmas episode with our good friend Yolo from Uganda, Africa, we did. Uh, the second half of that interview was also lost. So. <laughs> yeah. So there's a there's an archive of Wandering Ways episodes out there that <laughs> the listeners, I'm sorry, they're there, but we don't know where they went. They were great conversations, but that's all right. It, it gave us to talk time to talk today, which is always good. It's always good to talk um, and see what we have coming forward. Um, Cause I know we're going to have you guys back on uh, in the new year in 2023, a couple of times and talk about some cool uh, big footing experiences. I know, like you said, you just had an experience three weeks ago. You can have one in five months ahead from now, and then we'll talk about it. Who knows, man, I'm excited um, maybe Mark will have another Bigfoot experience uh, in the in the time to come. You know, that's what's so great about 2023. You know, me and Mark, we actually booked a trip to Iceland uh, in June. So we'll, I'm not sure if there'll be Bigfoots there, but, you know, we always will be looking for Bigfoot. We always review it on our reviews on our trips. So we'll let you know. But Mark, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah, love it. Uh, Reverend's final words of wisdom. Uh, thank you guys again for coming back on. Uh, you know, I really kicked myself over uh, having my computer just absolutely uh, kaput on me because uh, that one was an absolute blast. So I'm I'm really appreciative that you guys were able to come on. And uh, it's just as good, if not better, this time around. So, um, you know, it's I enjoy talking with you guys. Love hearing the stories. Um, you know, I can I'm on the edge of my seat on some of these stories when you're hearing about these experiences because they're they're just so cool and everything. Um, <clears throat> so just closing it out, make sure you do check out I Know Squats on Etsy. Etsy. Make sure you check out I Know Squatch Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we'll have it in the episode description uh, links to that. Uh, 
<clears throat> check out Rick's song, Wood Booger Walk. We'll have probably have yes, that Rick. linked in the description too. Yeah. Um, so they're great guys. Thank you so much for coming on. And with that being said, peace out, everybody. Bye. Yeah.